Welcome to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast, your home for stories, inspiration, and advice from athletes over 40. I'm your host, Robin Leggett. I'm a later in life athlete who became a roller derby skater in my 30s and a runner and obstacle racer in my 40s. Now I'm an athletic aging coach who helps women over 40 experience the massive life benefits that come with exploring your athletic potential at any age and any fitness background. If that fires you up, keep listening. Let's do this. Today, I'm talking to best-selling author, semi-professional bike racer, and new podcaster, Celine Yeager. I am so excited to share this conversation for so many reasons. First of all, Celine co-authored a book that has become my personal coaching and training manual of sorts. It's called Roar. It's a book she wrote with Dr. Stacey Sims, and it's about how women can work with their own unique physiology to maximize fitness and athletic performance. This book has become so crucial in what I do that I have gifted it to several clients. In addition, Celine is starting a new podcast about how women can maximize athletic performance through menopause, which is super important and a super relevant topic for this show, and we really get into that. She even drops a scoop on a new book she's working on that I'm also really excited about, and I know y'all will be too. So let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Celine Yeager. Hi, Celine. Hi, Robin. How are you? I am great. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners? I will do my best. I believe in you. You are Celine Yeager. You're a best-selling professional health and fitness writer who has authored, co-authored, and contributed to nearly three dozen books, including what has become my coaching Bible, Roar, a book you co-authored with Dr. Stacey Sims. You're also a regular fitness and training contributor to Bicycling Magazine. You've been a semi-professional mountain bike racer since 2010, and in recent years, you've been gravel racing. Highlights include earning the distinction of All-American Triathlete in 2005, earning the most wins at Iron Cross Ultra Cross, including last year at age 50. On top of these accomplishments, you're a certified trainer and cycling coach, and you're the host of Hit Play Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active women, a super relevant topic for seasoned athlete listeners for sure. From here, I'm going to ask the big question that I ask all my guests, and we kind of gave a hint about it. What is your age at this moment in time? I actually had to think about that. Uh, 50, 51. 51. 51. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Let's start from the beginning. Uh, when did you start playing sports, and what did your early athletic life look like? Um, I started playing sports in high school. When I was coming up, there, there wasn't really any of those club sports that you could do when you were younger. You know, so we just did what kids did, just played around the neighborhood. Yeah. And then when I got into high school, I tried to run cross country because that's what my brother did. And I vomited the first practice and I hated it. Like, this, said, is this is not for me. This is the worst. <laughs> and then I decided uh, that I wanted to do something else. And I, I played field hockey instead. And I liked field hockey quite a bit. I was a front wing, left wing. And I did that. I, I did that pretty well. Actually, I got a scholar athlete to Penn State. I, I did not play at the collegiate level because that was like a job. So <laughs> Right. Yeah. But I always rode my bike everywhere. I like. I never knew that people raced bikes. I didn't know anything about any of that growing up. But I was one of those weirdo kids that would just ride everywhere even when people were driving because I just right. really thought it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was just a part of your everyday life. That, that reflects my story a little bit, but mine involved roller skates. And oh, okay, cool. I eventually got into roller derby many, many years later, but I always roller skated everywhere. Sweet. So, you know, you don't realize that you could play a sport with that tool, but you're just you know, you're like, this is just a thing that I've been doing my whole life. We've always been riding yep. bikes, right? So how did you get into cycling competitively? Just a confluence of serendipity, for lack of a better way to put it. I don't know. That was a pretty good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was, wasn't it? I'm yeah, proud of it was that. beautiful. <laughs> I, I got hired at Rodale Press, which is now Hearst. They were bought by Hearst. And they are the publishers of Bicycling, Runner's World, Women's Health, Men's Health Prevention, the whole that whole gamut of magazines. And I had just kind of a beater bike at the time. And I noticed that at lunch, like all these people would go riding their bikes or go running or do stuff because that's what the company kind of gestalt was. And they invited me to join them. And they were like, 
you're pretty good at this. Maybe you should get like a real bike. And I was like, okay, like whatever that means. And then that somebody helped me find a road bike and, and an actual mountain bike. And then they were like, well, maybe you should really try racing. And I, again, I was just like, what are you talking about? I had no, I just had no idea that people raced. And I was just like, that is not something I think I'm interested in. But then I thought I got intrigued and I signed up and I won my first races. And everybody was like, oh, see? We saw that in you. We knew. You didn't know. That was the beginning. I mean, that was, you know, when I, I was probably 20, 26 at that point, 26, 27, when I fell into them. I can't remember when I actually signed up for that first race, but that, that kicked it all off then. Yeah. I, I think that's so interesting that you got, so you were, were you hired as a writer mm-hmm, at the mm-hmm. time? So you were hired to write. I didn't know what came first, the writing or the, the athletic side. I was a write, I was a writer first. I, I graduated and I was a uh, medical writer actually. Mm. So, which was, which was kind of horrible. I wrote for, for titles like infectious diseases in children, you know, like, like, things that were, <laughs> things that were not awesome. Yeah. And I really, wanted to do consumer facing that I was very interested in that and I kept sending resumes to Rodale and they kept sending me very lovely rejection letters and then at some point I had Hunter picked up my resume in that pile and found me you know so I got hired to write in there at the time they had their own book division it was like a machine like the writing mill and we would all just crank out these books and I fell in with the bicycling crew and you could in the, at the time you could internally freelance nobody you can't really do that anymore but so I could freelance while in one division for other divisions and I always knew I wanted to do my own thing so at some point I had branched out to be writing for so many different places and I went and got myself a training certification just in case I needed to work at a gym or do something to like make ends meet and I just went out on my own that was 1998 and yeah, I haven't looked back since. And I'm still writing for bicycling, which is unbelievable. Which so it was not really your like obvious path, but it's you you ended up there and made a career of it. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know all these things. I in a million billion years, I never would have thought that I'd be racing bikes ever, <laughs> ever, ever, ever. And uh I mean, I knew I wanted to be a writer and I knew I wanted to be self-employed, but I didn't know that my life would mesh in this incredible way that it has meshed. And I feel super, super fortunate that it has. Like it's, yeah. it's been, it's been great. It's really been great. So you became a writer focusing on cycling in a, in a company that focused on cycling and, and health. Helped mm-hmm. you, they helped you become the cyclist that you are. Pretty much. Like you were around people who understood it, who knew it. Who could yeah, and then I, I got so into it. You know, they hired me at first to write their fitness column, hence the fit chick thing. It was Ask the Fitness Chick. So I did all the sort of ancillary things, you know, like off-season training and, uh, you know, very light bike training things. And then I decided that I wanted to pursue that a little further, and I got a coaching license. And, you know, since I've gotten a, a coaching, nutrition coaching certificate, just so I, like, I was always pursuing just a little bit more so I could be more of a service to the readers. And it just sort of evolved over time that way. But again, I never imagined that 20 years later, I'd still be contributing at at that level. It's, it's been, it's been a really great ride and I still very much enjoy it. It's, it's changed over time. So it's not, it's not like I'm doing the exact same thing, but yeah, it's been great. You said really great ride, which I just wanted to make note of that. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. In many ways, it's been a really great ride. It's literally, figuratively, great pun. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Okay, let's talk about your cycling a little bit. I like to talk about highs and lows of the career because you've had a pretty pretty long and continued career on your bike. I want to go back to what your worst, hardest, or most difficult race was, you know, your lowest race, because there's always lessons in those moments. What was that experience and what did you learn from it? You had sent me that ahead of time. And I, I honestly, it was really, that was a really hard one to think about because there was no, there was no obvious answer in my mind. And I think Part of that might be because I have a very selective memory mm-hmm. and it tends to lean to the positive. Right. <laughs> so, but then as you were just talking now, one did occur to me and it was actually fairly recent. It was 2017. I had gone back to, after saying I would never, ever do it again, the Dirty Kansas 200. Do you know what that is? I don't. The, it's a 200 mile gravel race in Kansas. So it's, it's 
incredibly hard. I've I've done Ironman Kona and Ironman Louisville and Dirty Kanza took me longer than either of those Ironman. Like it's it's a very 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 hard race. You're out in the sun, the ground, the gravel is really hard and chunky, the wind. Sometimes you're going downhill and you're pedaling and you're still going like 11 miles an hour because oh. the wind is so strong in your face that you're just oh, like wow. Maybe I'll finish by Tuesday. I'm not sure. You know, you're just not really sure. You're like, this is supposed to be the easy part. Why? Yeah, it was unbelievable. But I, I went the first time in 2013 and it did quite well. I ended up on the podium, got third place overall in the pro women. I was super stoked and I was like, never again, because it was just so hard. And training for something like that is a, is a job. I mean, if you want to do well yeah. to train for a 200 mile, because you're going to be on your bike at 12 hours, yeah. you're going to be on your bike a long time. But then in 2017, they had a 200 women initiative and they invited me back to be on a panel of women talking and being inspirational. And of course, then I had to race. Mm -hmm. So I trained really hard and it was, I was in really good form. I went out and I don't usually ever blow up. Like that's not my MO. I have a really good internal regulator. But somewhere along the line, the heat snuck up on me because the prairie is a weird place. Like it gets really hot in the middle of the day and it's hard to stay on top of your hydration very well because it's dry and you're not getting your usual cues. And I just, all of a sudden the lights started going out. Like I could feel it happening. And I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. Like I was getting a little cold. I was getting nauseous. I was having a hard time keeping anything in. Eventually I ended up kind of vomiting a little bit. And I was like, oh, and I was in the lead. Like I was doing really oh. well. And you know, obviously just going above myself without without knowing it. I mean, I always like I always preach to people like stay within yourself, race your race. And I thought I was, I really thought I was, and I was not. Uh, and you know, who knows? Maybe there was some perimenopausal stuff going on there that I didn't even know. Because you know, thermal regulation becomes a different. You know, looking back with hindsight. That could have been part of it that I didn't even rec recognize. But anyway, yeah, it I makes had sense to... that you you didn't know, and so it's like, what's happening to me? Right, right. right. You don't even so understand. I had to actually stop, which is something I never do. I had to stop at a rest area, the last rest area, an aid station, and just sit down and like drink a coke, cool my jets, calm my stomach, and I ended up, you know, I ended up finishing okay. I still, they, you get a special patch if you beat the sun. You know, I still beat the sun and had a respectable time. But it was, it, was, it was a hard pill to swallow, especially since I had stood up on the stage the day before telling people what to do. Like, I felt like a colossal failure. Oh. It, was, it was, that was difficult. But it's, it, it's good. You know, I, I, I was very honest. I put up an Instagram post, which is like, wow, I feel like I really messed up after telling everybody all this advice. And people are very generous. I mean, everyone knows how hard it is and everybody knows that you try, but it was, if I had to point to one thing, it would definitely be that day. And it shows that people you look up to and people who are leaders are also human. Oh and, yeah. You know, and I think people respect that and it, and it, and connect with that. And I'm sure you know that, but at the time it was probably just tough. To it was, it was not, it was, yeah, that. it took a, it took a couple of days for me to like be okay with that. Yeah. It's, it was a bruise to the ego. On the other side, uh, tell me about your favorite race, your best day. It would have to be the Ironman Kentucky, Ironman Louisville, just because I call that, that was 2008. And I call that the year I did everything right. Like I, I followed my training plan to the letter. Like I did everything by the letter and took all my own advice and did all that. And it worked, you know, like I, I going into it, it was a total lark. I, I read a magazine article very much like something I would write that said 16 weeks to Ironman. And I had never really any desire to do an Ironman, but it somewhere was banging around my head. I'd run a marathon. I was like, I'm never doing that again unless it's on an Ironman and maybe an Ironman someday. And then I saw that article and I remember opening my office window and my husband was in the backyard. I'm like, I think I, you know, I think I can do this. I was telling him about this article. And then I sent, I sent my, I, I hired, I, I was a terrible swimmer. So I hired a swimming coach and she's like, my husband's an Ironman coach. You know, you should hire both of us. I was like, Ooh, okay. And then I sent a bunch of my bike results to him and he was like, you know, you could qualify for Kona. And I was like, la, 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 la. Like, I don't I'm like, I, right. I just plugged my ears. I'm like, I don't want to hear that. Please. Like, but and that started it. And it went from 16 weeks to like nine months and it was it was an incredible process. I learned so much from that. It was transformational. So it's very easy to point to that. 
Yeah. What's the biggest takeaway from that process and that experience for you that you might have used for future experiences? In it, a lot of it was trusting the process and going all in on something. Like I would never do it again because it was a tremendous strain on my household. It was a tremendous strain <laughs> on me. I mean, it was. I mean, people joke, but like I know people who get divorced and lose their job in pursuit of Kona. You know, I I I, I know them well. Yeah. Uh, and I I had no desire to be one of them. So if I hadn't made it to Kona, we would not have been doing it again anyway. But but. But it does, I, th- I think there's real value in sinking yourself fully into a goal at least once, a big goal, a big scary goal. And you can you tell your family, this isn't forever, this is going to suck sometimes, but I am all in and I need you to support me. And that's important, I think, that communication, talking to your partner, talking to your family. It's very important. Yeah. So people know what to expect. I'd, I'd look at a Saturday and be like, I have a nine-hour training day today. <laughs> you know, so it's, it is what it is. And, yeah. it, and if you're going to do it, and if you're going to try to do it, it, and I was going for it, you know, I didn't want to just complete it. I was, I was really going for it. It takes a certain level of dedication. And, if, and I, I find that you know, people in your family are much more supportive if they know what to expect. I mean, even if they don't love it when you first say it, like it's much better than you trying to sort of skirt around it. Like just being completely transparent and saying, this is what's on tap. And yeah. we're, let's all try to figure out how to work around this. that's least disruptive to this household. Yeah. And ultimately it is temporary. It might be, you know, nine months, but ultimately. Right. But ultimately, it's and it's temporary. not nine months like that. Like yeah. God knows I wasn't doing nine hour training, you know, that's, but like a good six weeks is pretty rough. Yeah. 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 Okay. So um, I want to talk about Roar. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the book you wrote with Dr. Stacy Sims. Uh, I have a personal connection to that book. I call it a game changer for me as a, I'm a 45 year old athlete. I'm a coach. I coach women in their forties and older. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that book so much. I've gifted it to some of my clients. Like, so thank you. You're welcome. I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me. Yeah. It's, and I, you know, I, I recommend it all the time. I'm on Facebook groups, you know, I'm a Spartan racer and they talk about these topics and it's like, go read Roar. Just go, just go read Roar. Right, right. You know, and it's just, it's the easiest thing to do. Um, and just to, for those who don't know, can you, can you give a brief description on what that book is about? I can, for sure. I, it was with Dr. Stacy Sims. For those, for those who don't know, I can't take credit for all the science in it, obviously, but I had gone to a coaching summit. In short, the book is about training, to work training and eating, that's important, to work with your female physiology. Because Dr. Stacy Sims, I saw her at a USA Cycling Coaching Summit, which is traditionally in years past have been just a big boys club, right? You'd see the same guys talking, the same stuff, a couple of women here and there. But this woman got up and a friend of mine had said, you should go this year. I think you're really going to like this woman. So I sat and she got up and she started talking about women's periods and the luteal phase and the follicular phase, like all this stuff. And I was like, who is this person talking to this room of mostly men, mm-hmm. you know, saying if you're like all about women's periods and how it affects thermal regulation and their blood plasma levels. And it was amazing. And when she walked out the door, it was like the Messiah had walked out. Like everybody just got up and started following her because everybody <laughs> had so many questions. And I stood in line and I said, you need a book and I can write it. And she was like, great. You know, I mean, it was, it was <laughs> that little, it literally <laughs> went like that. And then I spent a lot of time with it. It was awesome. I went out and, and trained with a group of women under her as she was sort of developing a lot of her systems. We would do these hill repeats up Mount Tam. And like she had those pee sticks, the urinalysis strips. And we'd be like hiding behind parked cars and dumpsters, peeing on these sticks and like coming back out. And she'd be like, oh, you're losing protein. We spent like four days doing that. That's amazing. Like, you, did you see my eyes get wide when you talked about the pee sticks? Like, it was so, it was amazing. It was amazing because you could really see what she was saying in action, in real time. Mm-hmm. So that book was you know, I, I, we spent all this time and it's really just like her whole thing. is like, it's not your fitness it's your physiology. Women are not small men. It's her other tagline because her whole life has been devoted to this topic because she grew up and came up in a system that's worldwide where they, they study men, but they don't study women. So they'd be like, oh, well, women are kind of messy. You know, they have periods and they can get pregnant. So they wouldn't study them in exercise physiologies. They barely study them in cardiology. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that doesn't make sense. It's like, because half of the month for women who are menstruating, they're radically different than the other half of the month. Right. You know, so she was coming up with ways to 
like help that. Like when your blood plasma shifts before your period and you're bloated, you know, you have less watery part in your blood to sweat. You got to do something about that. That means like hydrating differently. And like she had like all these ideas that that were backed by science and it's, yeah, it's transformational. It's, it's, because it, the book has done great because yeah. nobody has, no one ever talked about that before. It's, and that's just it. It's the first time anyone's talking about it. And previous to that, all the studies have been done on men. And then the recommendations are like, women just do less of this. Right. Because you're you smaller. Know? You're yeah. smaller. So you just do less of this when really our physiological needs are massively different, like wildly yep. different. And nobody's talking about our recovery window shorter like all kinds much of shorter <laughs> much shorter <laughs> i took her course i took her course at the beginning of the year so oh got, sweet okay great. deeper into that into that rabbit hole um but yeah it's like everything that you hear about about nutrition about training is wildly different and nobody's talking about it nobody's doing it so yeah um so it is like i said it's a game changer book um how has it influenced your own training and coaching in your career going forward from that from that experience writing that book? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was just stuff that was just like little light bulbs in my own life, putting, connecting dots of stuff that I didn't understand. You know, th- there were definitely times when I'd be out and I'd be like, why am I, blo-? like, I would just feel like I was blowing up inside, like I couldn't control my temperature. And it was just that, like, I, I then I just made a habit of, she had, she started baking those pre-hydration drinks, you know, sort of the like preload drinks. Now almost everybody makes them. But I'd be like, it changed everything. Like just little things, you know, she helps like with sleep and with, you know, adding more branched chain amino acids into your diet. Like a lot of it was dietary shifts for me. I wasn't eating enough, mm-hmm. you know, like many women. And that just raises your cortisol. And then the opposite of what you want to happen happens, right? Mm-hmm. Your weight is like fighting you because it's like something's terribly wrong. This woman's doing all this stuff and she's not, we're not getting fuel. So let's hang on to everything. You know, it's just, most of it was nutrition, honestly. Like I was doing most things right on the one side, but she's like, you're kind of a mess with what you're doing here. <laughs> so it just, it really helped me going forward that way. And, and, and with coaching, I just like spreading the word, honestly. Yeah, that's the biggest deal. And, and across the board, all ages, you know, it's now more and more male coaches are, it's being suggested that they read this book because they're totally young female populations. Yeah, Kelly Starrett read it and was just, you know, he did a whole podcast on it, which was, which was great. He just held it up. He's like, all men coaches should read this. They and like, absolutely keep talking. <laughs> read this. Like, well, yeah. because if you don't know, like, you know, like they, it's, it should not be such a big taboo thing to ask a woman what point of their cycle. Are, are you still having a cycle? Are you having your periods? Have they stopped? That might not be a good thing. You know, like having those conversations is really important. Yeah. And when you say it might not be a good thing, you talk about relative energy deficiency, what we used to call the female triad, but men get it too. Yeah. yeah. Red S. And yeah. so, yeah, that's, that's something to pay attention to. And a lot of young female athletes deal with this and and it can be damaging. Yeah. You know, I mean, it used to be like, oh, great. I don't have my period. I don't have to deal with that. But it's, it's not, that's not great. It's like, long-term it can be effects. A, yeah. yeah. And it, it means something is wrong physiologically. Yes. This yes. is not supposed to happen. A hundred percent. So, yeah. Um, let's shift because I want to talk about your new podcast. Okay. Uh, yeah. Great. So it's called Hit Play, Not Pause. Great name. Uh, a Thank feisty you. menopause podcast for active women. And it's such an important po- uh, topic. It's not talked about all that much in the world, at least specifically from the standpoint of how to work with your changing physiology and thrive while living an active and athletic lifestyle while you age. Yes. I'm seeing more and more uh, you know, podcasts and articles just about how to manage pet- menopause in your life in general. Michelle Obama talking about it, right? Everyone's like, whoo, she's talking about hot flashes. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, so the taboo is going away, which is fantastic. But we're working on. Yeah. And you're taking it up a level and it's, it's up a level where I want to go, which is living an active athletic lifestyle. Um, How did this podcast come to be and what types of specific topics will you be covering or have you already recorded? Well, it it, it has not, I have, there's a bunch of them in the queue, but it's launching the first week of October. So it's not like the trailer is on the airwaves, it's on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. You can find the trailer wherever you get it. Please subscribe. But um, I will say by the time this episode airs, it'll probably have launched. So. Okay. That's fair. Okay, cool. 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 (laughs) Um, Yeah. I forget what, I don't even know. COVID time is, you know, we could, we could be in any time. (laughs) October is next week. Oh, you're right. What happened to September? Yeah. 
There we go. Anyway, so anyway. how did that come about is a couple of things. Stacy Roar, again, we are working in a follow-up book to that book because we included, as you know, one chapter on menopause, right? And at the time, that was 2016, I was perimenopausal, but still competing at a really pretty high level. I was still doing stage races all over the place. And I thought that I, uh, I had it, right? Like I thought like, I was really on top of everything. And, and we were starting to hear rumblings from, from women that one chapter really was not sufficient. You know, they were like, and they, they started the hashtag forgotten athletes. So I was like, oh, okay. We know, like, yeah, no. but, I, but I got it. Like, you know, one chapter is not a whole lot in a, in a, with a big topic like that where you could literally write a whole book on it. And I was like, okay, let's write a whole book on it. You know, so Stacey had started to do, she has a menopause course now. She yeah. was starting to work on that. So I knew the material would be there. I knew the interest was there. And then maybe a couple of years ago, we had, we had found a publisher, everything was in, in motion. And I slammed into some of these changes like head on. Like it was felt like almost going over your handlebars on your bike when you don't <laughs> see it coming. I, like all of a sudden I was like, where did my muscle tone go? And where did this weight come from? And why, like, I, like everything seemed to change and I'm sure it wasn't overnight, but it sure felt that way. Right. And I started to try to like, change things again, like eating less, because that's the first thing you think of doing, which again, I should have learned, but what have we learned? Nothing, you know, but I started doing all that stuff and I call, and it shook me quite a bit because I very much believe that I shouldn't write anything I don't, I don't believe in, or I don't, you know, isn't, I haven't experienced personally. Right. right. And I was like, if I can't write this book, like if I can't get a hang of this and I can't reel this in, then I have no business telling women anything. Right. So I'm like frantically texting Stacy and emailing. I'm like, I don't know. And she's just like totally unfazed. She's like, okay, here we go. what are you doing? <laughs> right. Here we go again. Yeah. And, you know, she gave me some advice. She gave me some adaptogens, you know, like or to try to sort of like work with the estrogen that I still had and all just like tw- training tweaks, nutrition tweaks. And it worked. And I was like, whoa, okay, okay. Back on track. We can write this book. And Along with that, they, they were going to do a webinar and they asked me if I'd speak at it. You know, Stacy works with the Live Feisty media team. You know, it's a women-owned media team. They're awesome women. And they were like, you should do a webinar. I was like, there should be a podcast. And they're like, do you want to do it? I was like, yes. You know, like, <laughs> just like the book. I was like, of course. So, and I I'd had been podcasting, you know, before. And I really liked the format and I thought it would just be so perfect. It's such a, it's such a good topic because... It really, I know so many women, athletic women, competitive women who are, who are in their 50s, in their 60s, but nobody, nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about it, especially in the athletic community, because I think there's the stigma still a little more entrenched. Like nobody wants to be like, oh, I'm getting older. That might mean I'm getting slower. I, I, like people are very reticent to talk about it. Uh, and it's a huge disservice because if you, if you talk about it, few, people feel alone, they feel ashamed, they feel confused and they check out. Like some people just start, if they can't deal with it, right, they just stop. So I was just like, my whole thing was like, you shouldn't slow down or stop just because your periods are. So I like, we, we Great need, tagline. we need this. Thank you. <laughs> so I was just like, we need this. So it's been, it's been great. I, I have the reception to it. I knew it would be big, but it's been, I got an avalanche of positive response when I, when I put up the, you know, coming soon kind of thing. It's just like, amen, amen, all over the place. People, people are really hungry for it because to your point, People are starting to talk about it. I saw something in the Washington Post. I saw something, you know, in Oprah. But, it, but it's the same, you should exercise advice. But we're already there. We want to be competitive. What about the people who are already exercising? But like, okay, we're, we're down with that. We're already there. But we want to stay competitive or we yeah. want to stay like on, on top of our game as best you can. And I'm going to perform at a high level. Yeah. Yes. You're dealing like, with I know you don't get faster level. until you like go into the afterlife. Like I'm not dumb, but, but you can <laughs> mitigate a lot of the stuff that, that is slowing you down unnecessarily. Right. Yeah. And you can still feel super good. I mean, I, I have friends in their 50s who are still very competitive in the open fields, right? And mm-hmm. not just age groups, even though like age group is always there and that's awesome. And you can keep competing in your age group and, until the end. Yeah. But 
Yeah, I mean, Re- Rebecca Rush, I don't know if you know who that is, but she and she's a she and I were competing all through our 40s. Like, we didn't even start until our 40s. You yeah. don't have, like, I didn't have any idea. I shouldn't have been. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't know any better. Well, you've, so, you've yeah. never been one to, like, second guess anything. You know? no, I, I, I should sometimes. <laughs> There's never, like, a question. Should I do this thing? No, you just do this thing. If I want to, I, I, that's my thing. Like if it interests me, I say yes. And then I just figure it out. Like that has gotten me in trouble a couple of times, but most of the time it goes pretty well. I feel like it's, <laughs> yeah, more often than not, it's served you. And it's, right. and it's a good philosophy. I love that philosophy. Like, do I want to do this thing? Let's figure out how to do this thing. Right. You know? And, and that includes menopause. It's like, okay, I want to be competitive through these years. I need to- Let's figure it out. And I, I think you level it up. It's like, A, I'm going to figure it out. B, I'm going to write a book about it. C, I'm going to do a <laughs> podcast about it. And because I want to do those two things, I really have to figure it out because I'm, a, totally. I'm, I'm now an authority on this. Right. Because otherwise, like, why would anybody listen to me? But, it, but it's, but I've amassed, you know, it's, it's, it's cool because as we were like bringing this full circle- my life as a writer and a writer have have allowed me to amass this incredible array of athletes and trainers and coaches and researchers and scientists, like people I've called over the years and people I've raced with and raced for over the years that, you know, there's no shortage of people for me to call in and, and ha- have them like bring the same wisdom that we've been talking about internally. Like, you know, to other people. And they all have their own experience too. So they totally. To their own, what's worked for them, what hasn't worked for them and their own experience. Yeah, because everyone's different. We're all individual. Totally. There's definitely like somebody was bringing up to me uh, earlier this week. They're like, well, that all sounds great, except I can't, like I hurt everywhere. And I had not heard of that as a menopause symptoms. Apparently like some women get almost fibromyalgia sort of oh. things where everything hurts, their joints hurt, their muscles hurt. I was like, yeah, that would be a drag. Like, well, again, let's figure it out. So, you know, I found a a woman who could speak to that. So there's, it's great because it sort of opens my eyes and and it's a a conversation, you know, that like whenever you, like, you know, you have a a podcast and people start telling you about other people and about what they want to hear and about questions that they have and you just keep the conversation rolling. Yeah. And then you, and you learn along the way. 100%. Yeah, it's great. It's very exciting. Quickly. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned in that Instagram post, which I saw, and my response was, hey, can we talk? (laughs) (laughs) That was my response to that. Um, You know, women start entering their menopausal years as early as their late 30s. And so, you know, I could start that early. I... I'm 45 and I'm not quite there yet as far as, I mean, maybe I am. I don't know. Cause again, yeah, it's, it's hard to know until you know, like at, at some point it becomes like when you wake up at 3am and you're in a pool of sweat, you're like, Oh, I think it's starting. That's but I mean, who, yeah, exactly. But it's hard to, it's hard to know. And it's hard to, people talk about it. Like it's this point in time, but I mean, I think I thought I was postmenopausal and then I had a period like three months ago, I guess I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not, but it, it, it's, it's, it's a very, like, it's just this like little point in time that's, almost meaningless. Do you know what I mean? Like it's all the stuff that you do once all the, your hormones are messengers, right? Think of them that way. And then once they start getting out of balance, they start sending little SOS signals and that's the fatigue and that's the, the night sweats or the hot flashes. And once you hear your hormones yelling at you, like help, that's when you know you're sort of in those perimenopausal years. And the advice you follow there kind of follows you for the rest of whatever. Because it's all like hanging on to muscle, hanging on to bone, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So based on your own experience or based on some of the stories of the people you've spoken to already, Mm -hmm. can you share maybe perhaps a few like no nonsense tips? And that might be a loaded question when it comes to menopause, but some, some advice or tips for women who do want to maximize their athletic performance through many, through perimenopause and beyond. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, a couple, there's just a couple pillars that are, you know, Stacey Sims, I don't know, do we, do we say bad words on this podcast we can, at all? Um, I mean, not often, but if you want to, it's okay. No, I, well, we don't need to. She, she says, lift heavy stuff. We'll just say lift heavy stuff. And she uses another S word. But, but it's true, like you need, and it's not, you know, women, and I want to say I'm sorry for every woman I have ever told back in the 1990s, you know, like, Lift light weights twenty times. Yeah. Tone your muscles. To make tone them those little baby oh, weights. Oh my lord! I'm I'm so sorry. We're, and we've been fighting that. And every trainer that every, said that, every we, we still fight that. You know, we do. We still mentality. fight it. 
And we know so much more now because at the time, like we were getting so much of that information of strength training from the bodybuilding world. And that's all that, that's where all that information was coming down from, right? It was either getting it from like physical therapy or bodybuilding, but like Jack LaLanne, it, it, it was still like very confusing. But we know now that you can like deadlift or squat an awful lot of weight and not get turn into a bodybuilder because it's all neuromuscular. Mm -hmm. Like you're waking stuff up. That's really important, you know, to keep your muscles strong and connected and, and your neuromuscular health. And you do that by lifting heavy stuff. Your muscles need that stimulation, especially as you lose estrogen, because you're losing those messengers. You're like, you're losing, your body's not getting the signals that estrogen would normally give it. So you have to help it out. Yeah. And, and lift and getting in the gym and lifting heavy stuff to stimulate your muscles and stimulate your bones is one really big thing. Because you're fighting, you're fighting muscle loss and bone loss just by existing. And it gets, it gets, that gets precariously faster. You know, the older you get, like once women hit their sixties, especially like you really want to get on top of it before you can at that point, if you can, it's never too late. And I'm always, that that's true. But if you can get on top of it earlier, obviously that's better. Uh, Same thing goes with, you know, we all, well, I mean, if you do Spartan races and that stuff that you're, you're already in this like higher intensity exercise realm, but a lot of the endurance people aren't right. They're in zone two forever, zone two forever. You know, that's great, but it does raise your cortisol, your stress hormones a little bit. It's not super beneficial just to do that, especially as again, your hormonal messengers are dwindling. So high intensity, like short, sharp stuff, Tabatas are your friend, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. That is your friend. Like those kind of stimulants are your friend are your friend in the training, in the training realms. And then just really pay attention to protein. You know, if I had to give like three, like three snips, like that yeah. would be it. Cause you become less sensitive to protein. So your protein synthesis, you know, making of the muscles is a little harder. So your muscles need again, more help. I mean, a lot of this is just like giving your body a little more oomph, a little more stimulation, a little more facilitation to do what is having a little less uh, ability to do because of your changing hormones. Yeah. And a lot of women that I have worked with and talked to, they're so afraid that they're taking in too much protein. They think they're taking in too much protein right. when most of the time they are not getting enough. And especially yeah. at the age, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. It, it and taking it like every meal. I mean, that's the easiest way to do it, right? Like food. every time you eat, get some protein. Yeah. Recapping that advice. <laughs> Lift heavy stuff. Yep. <laughs> high intensity. Go hard. Go hard. <laughs> high intensity intervals. And, you know, something that really stood out in Roar was that if you like doing the long runs, like she didn't say, or you guys didn't say, get rid of it. You don't take them out because you want to do things that light you up. A hundred percent. I still go on five hour bike rides. I would never get rid of that. I do a long run every weekend, but like you don't need to be only doing that. But on Tuesday, I do Tabatas. Do some intervals, do some high intensity stuff, get the heart rate up for shorter. It's good for everything. It's good for your head. It's good for everything. It feels good. Like, like you feel good afterwards. Yeah. So make sure that's part of your routine and then make sure you're getting that protein. Yeah. Awesome. So I always like to ask what advice my guests have for women who want to try a new sport but might be intimidated or scared. Mm-hmm. What I want to ask you specifically is what advice would you give to perimenopausal women or a woman living with menopause who is in a similar position? She wants to try a new challenge. Maybe she hears your talk about cycling and is like, hmm, that's interesting, but might feel intimidated, which I hear that a lot from people who have not, ha- not been in sport or athletics their whole lives. But, you know, sometimes when you get older and you reach a certain milestone age, you want to try something new. 100%. It's scary. What advice would you yeah. give? Yeah. Well, what's great now, I think, I think we're living in a really, really good time for that, honestly. Especially, I mean, my world is heavily cycling, obviously. But I think triathlon, too. I think triathlon is is a great – there are many great entry points into triathlon because you can do a sprint triathlon that's even, like, very women – specific right a lot like you can pick and choose and find one that has a ton of women and there's a ton of women in triathlon period i i would just say get a swim coach because it'll really help you if you're like the most if you people haven't think, been swimming yeah most people are afraid of the swim more than anything else right and that that can help you a lot but for cycling which has been traditionally like when i first started it was a sea of men and it was pretty intimidating like if you weren't if you weren't just bold enough to sort of step into it i could see like why you wouldn't but with 
with the new kind of, of cycling that's very popular in this country, especially, is gravel. Like I was talking about that Dirty Kansas race. Yeah. Gravel riding, which is, it sounds, all it is is, is rides, events on mostly unpaved roads. Right. So there's a lot of lovely things about that. A, you're sort of out of traffic. You don't really need, you don't need a team. It's not all aggro. A lot of people are just in it to just experience it. Sometimes they're quite long, but they usually like 200 miles, but they almost always have shorter options. Like for the, for the one in Kansas, you can do 25 miles, Mm -hmm. you can do 50, you can do a half distance, but the, 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 the community at those events is incredibly welcoming. It's an incredibly welcoming community You'll see, you'll see tons of people who look just like you, who are, who are, you know, there's communities you can find online, like, you know, women gravel, like you can just Google any of that and you'll find like all of these places online that you can ask questions like, what kind of tires do I need? Because you don't know, you're like, there's so many stuff you don't know, but there's many, many resources for it. And that kind of riding, I think is just so well suited to women. We, We have natural endurance. You know, we have like, there's a, there's a lot of things that the community is great. You're just going on an adventure. I mean, sure you can get competitive, but 90% of the field is not 90% of the field is there. I just want to soak in the day. Yeah. Yeah. And just to like have an experience. And I would, I couldn't recommend that enough because it is a good first experience of any kind of quote unquote competitive event. But you're pinning down a number that does not mean that you have to like, kill yourself right. start to finish you can start where you're at or where you know the next level of where you want to be and you touched on some really good things community which exists in many many sports yeah and i think the intimidation factor is like i'm running and spartan racing and roller mm-hmm. derby and all, all the things i've yeah, done yeah. <laughs> and you think like i'm gonna be the only one i'm i'm not gonna fit in people are gonna look at me weird but it's like like you said there are people who look like you so many people are just like you, right? Yeah. No matter what you do. Like it does not, like when you go to an event, you have this image in your mind that everyone's going to look like they're at the Olympics and they don't. They don't. They're, they're just like you. Mm-hmm. There's so many people just like you. Yeah. And so yeah. you just, you just need to try one and you'll, you'll be hooked generally. Yeah. Or, you yeah. know, you'll like it or you won't, but you'll see that it's like, okay, all of my fears, all my apprehensions, it wasn't a big deal. Like, yeah, it's just, it's up. fun. It's supposed to be fun. People be fun. mostly do it because yeah. it's fun. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I want to ask a couple questions that I do ask many of the athletes on the show. Um, it's kind of a two-part question. First is, what types of unique challenges or struggles have you faced specifically as you age as an athlete? Uh, you know, it's the, I think it's the mental component more than anything, because you do, you know, like comparing your new, your current self to your old self is, is a trap that I think a lot of people fall into. And you have to, you have to reconcile that. Like you have to figure out like what you're going to do with that because no matter what you do, eventually you're going to get a little slower. Your 5K times are, are not going to keep getting faster forever. I mean, it's great when you pick up a new sport in middle age because you do go up, right? You, like, you, you, only, you only go. You haven't been beating your body down by it for years. Well, and, you, and you're new to it. So you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're going to you get better. benchmark, yeah. Right, just by, by nature because you're new. But then at some point, yeah, you do, you do get a little slower and your times are not what you're used to or what maybe you want them to be. And then you have to figure out your why, you know, like, okay, why am, like, why am I here if I'm not as competitive as I used to be? Why am I, you know, what does this mean to me? And, you know, for me personally, that meant putting down cross country racing, which is a very short, very high intensity going around lap races. You know, it's like a three to five mile lap course that you go around a bunch of times and just try to beat everybody, Uh, you know, and I did that and it was great. But then at some point I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm done with that. Like I have nothing more to prove there. I'm not going to get faster at it. Right. And so how do I, how do I satisfy my competitive self and, you know, still line up and still feel engaged. And that was just finding new challenges, you know, whether that is a multi-day event or a bike packing event or one of these gravel races where I'm just looking to finish or something I've never done before, a snow race, you know, whatever it is, a race in the snow on fat bikes, but just find something that's just totally different where you're not comparing yourself, you right. know, where it's just new territory for you. I highly recommend that. I think it's, it's very good for mind, body, and soul. Yeah. Finding new challenges and kind of lighting yourself up that way. Yeah. Yeah. 
My second part of that question is what type of unique benefits or advantages have you experienced mm. as you age in sport? The, the mental thing is also huge. I think, I think all of it is, is, it comes down to mental stuff because, you know, when we were in our early forties, like we being Rebecca and I, when we were racing, like we did not worry about anyone in their twenties. Like they just hadn't been there. They didn't know how to like do a, an eight day stage race in Africa. Right. Like they, so it, like having that experience and having that calm presence of mind to know how to take care of yourself, not get all panicky when something goes wrong, how to fix things, how to problem solve, like all that, that perspective, that, that goes so far. That will go a very, very long way. And you only get that with time. You only get that with time and experience. There's no other way to get it. That's something that has been brought up um, by others on the show as well. I'm sure. And and it's something as a coach, um, I like to tell people, it's like, that's, that's the difference between wanting to be young. And I say wanting to be ageless is that, you know, you're, when you're young, you don't have the benefit of that experience. Right. As you age, you know, yes, things change in your body, but you also gain that mental clarity, that experience that you can use as a strategy. Oh, you absolutely. And it's a lot. It's a lot of your performance is that. Mm-hmm. And muscle memory is a thing. Like, you know, I, when you have so many miles in your legs, no matter what you're doing, it carries you very, very far. Like, you know, you can get to the finish and, you, and you're, you're, if you, that's why, I mean, everyone always says don't stop. And I believe that too. Like, don't stop. Like if you keep going, you don't diminish that much. You really don't. And for the endurance stuff, it's negligible. Right. right. Yeah, it, that's true. Yeah. And you know, and, and again, you also have that mental clarity. It's like, I know I will get to the finish line, no matter how right. I feel today, no matter how deep in the pain cave I am. Totally. No matter how good you feel or how bad you feel, it doesn't last. That's yeah. the endurance mantra. And mm-hmm. it's true. Like, so don't get like, I'm bionic. I'm going to be like first. I'm going to win. And like, keep within yourself. Like you feel really good at the moment, but don't go crazy yeah. because you're not going to feel that way for the, like the next eight hours. Right. <laughs> so just, yeah. You've said that a couple of times, stay within yourself. Um, yes. It's not something I've heard often, but I like it. It's like, I say don't, it all don't the get time. out of yourself, stay within yourself. Yeah. And the better you know yourself, the better you can stay within yourself. That's right. And that comes with age. That is 100% <laughs> true. Yes. So before we go, uh, do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you've learned in your competitive journey, your life journey, your journey as a, as a writer, all of that stuff that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, I, I, I can't claim this as my own creation because it's not. I, it's actually in a public enemy song of all things. I love it. But, Bring it. But I, have, but I have it written on my whiteboard for the past 20 years, and it's don't let a win go to your head or a loss to your heart. And I try to like live by that in everything. Like when, when I was successful in my career, don't let that go to my head. Like, and if things bomb, don't let that go to your heart. Like, and that keeps you just sort of even, you know, like looking at the heart and just putting one foot in front of the other without, again, staying with, allows you to stay, stay within, within yourself. yourself. I'm going to keep saying that, but it's, uh, I try to live by that. That's, I, now I'm going to live by that. <laughs> it's, it's, powerful, it's a good word to live by. It's a powerful lyric right there. Yeah. So, yeah, no, don't let a win go to your head or a loss go to your heart. And, and you can yeah. use that in every aspect in of everything. your life. In 100% everything. And I do, in everything. That's, I love it. I love it. Uh, finally, if someone wants to learn more about you, uh, how, to find, how to find you on social media, how to listen to your podcast, which I'm so excited. The podcast is on all their platforms. It's very exciting that the trailer is out. It's on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get it, wherever you get your podcast, hit play, not pause is up there. And you can find me, I, put, I post most of my work on my Fit Chick Facebook page. So it's just Fit Chick Celine Yeager. And I'm on Instagram as fitchick3 because I don't know who Fitchick wanted to or when I, when I started that, but that's, but I'm going to hunt them down. Yeah. <laughs> if you just Google Celine Yeager, that come, that come, you'll find me on, uh, you'll find me on those platforms. So yeah, but most of the stuff I put on my professional Facebook page, cause it just gets the most legs. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, Celine, Thank you so much for taking the time and joining me on Seasoned Athlete today. I really love getting into the menopause topic for athletes. And, I, and what I love is that you were able to give some very simple, actionable tips. Because I know that for so many women, the idea of menopause is overwhelming. It's just this like big, nebulous, overwhelming thing that lasts for decades. <laughs> 
and never goes away. And so I think that's what women want is like, what can I do? What can I yeah, do? You can, and you can. There are so many things. I, again, the, the show will feature all those things. It's impossible to talk about them all tonight, right? But there's, you know, your pelvic floor. Like, it's not fun to jump rope if you're peeing, right? Yes. You know, like, there's all kinds of stuff. But all of that stuff can be dealt with. Yeah. You know, like, and, and that's, that's like the message is that there's nothing that you're going through that A, you're not alone. And B, that there's not a decent solution for yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so we touched on that today, but if you want to go deeper, listen to Hit Play Not Pause on you your favorite podcast platform. Uh, this is a big topic for me as a coach, as an athlete. It's super relevant to our listeners. And so thank you for coming on and talking about that and um, all the amazing things that you've been doing and dropping that scoop on the new book. Mm, yeah, it, it'll be out next year. I'm like, it's due. I'll have a panic attack talking about it, but it's due at the end of this year. So, okay. uh, yeah, and, and as we know, the months are flying by. <laughs> oh, they really are. Really so quickly. So, does, <laughs> right. it, does it have a name or not yet? We are playfully calling it the Cougar Edition okay. because of Roar. I like, but no, we, like <laughs> yes. the publisher's like, maybe that's not it. <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe not. But it's funny. I think you're onto something. I do too. Like when I came out with Roar, because this is like inside baseball, but people might appreciate it. Like when I came up with Roar, I knew that like usually the title is a giant battle with books. So I came up with Roar. I really liked it. Not a piece. Nobody pushed back. And I was like, are you kidding? Like this is just going to sail through. Like I couldn't even believe it. It's such a simple title that really you don't want more. I know, like it never, never, ever, ever happens. And it was a miracle. I was like, that's incredible. So I don't know like what will happen with this follow-up. There'll be, I'm sure there'll be tons of discussions about it, but uh, people will be hearing all about it from me. I, I'm, I don't keep it quiet when, when things are finally coming out. So yeah. once we know, I'll let everyone yeah. else know. Yeah, and I'm going to buy that right away. Thank I'm you. I'm so excited to hear about that. It's such awesome scoop. So thank you for sharing that with me. And uh, I can't wait to listen to your podcast. So thank you again for being on Seasoned Athlete Podcast. Seasoned Athletes, I want to personally invite you to join me for my upcoming free Age Like an Athlete webinar taking place on Thursday, October 15th at 12 p.m. Pacific time. In this virtual masterclass, I'll show you how stepping into new challenges can help you think bigger, dream bolder, and live ageless. So if you want to move from being inspired by seasoned athletes to live in that life, this webinar will show you the way. Reserve your spot now at robinleggett.com slash webinar.